Good morning. And if you'll turn in your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 this morning. Our text starts in verse 26, and it moves until 56. So it's enough verses to where we can read it all together. And so if you will follow along with me, Luke 1, 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man who, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Because, uh, but she was greatly troubled at the statement, uh, troubled at the saying, and she tried to discern what co- uh, sort of greeting that's, uh, that this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, and he will save, uh, um, you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his king, uh, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and uh, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born, uh, will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And in the sixth month, uh, in the sixth month uh, to her, with her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then in those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country into the town, into a town of, in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby leaped in my womb with joy, uh, for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And behold, now, uh, on, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. And he has brought down the mighty uh, from their thrones and exalted those from humble estate. For he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of in remembrance of his of his mercy. And he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months, and then returned to her home. Let's just look to the Lord. And a quick word of prayer. Father, we just ask you as we look into your word, there'd be no way for us to understand this unless you give us discernment. So, Father, we just are here 
uh, to look into your word, to hear you speak to us, for your servants are listening. In Lord Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so our subject, if you haven't uh, guessed it already, and this is particularly dealing with Mary. Now, she's mentioned in other places, but in particular with the birth of the Lord Jesus. Now, there is um, there was a couple of decor- uh, d- um, directions I was thinking about where to go because there's a lot to be said, at least in the world, about Mary, especially her veneration, right? There's the worship of her, and there's a... And they use some of these same very words that we just read, and they elevate her to a status to where she's to be worshipped and to pray and, and things like that. And there's, well, what is it? What exactly is her role? Well, um, I didn't feel that's where the Lord was taking me, even though it is a, a particular interesting subject. But to say the least, that she is um, a servant. She says it by her own mouth. She was a servant of the Lord, and that's where we leave it, And as, as are we, right? There was nothing particularly special um, the Lord used her in, in, in a way that was, uh, well, it only happened once, right? <laughs> the Lord's not going to come back in flesh. But um, she was a servant, right? And there's nothing more to be said as far as, like, elevating her beyond the heights of heaven. But um, where we're actually going to go is, is there's, there's one statement that I'd like to look at. And it actually comes from the angel Gabriel, and it says this, um, and in particular in connection with when he connects your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. For he says this in 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And so that's what we actually just would like to, to focus in on. You're going to have to probably, uh, oh, oh, there it is. For nothing will be impossible for God. And it's fitting that we actually just sung that song. And if you know where that's from, that's uh, Jeremiah, and in uh, Jeremiah, you know, he was he had a um, a very rough go at it, as it were. To he had a burden for his people because he wanted to see them brought back to Lord, but his people didn't want that message, so they ended up putting him in prison, putting him in a pit, and his own people mistreated him. But at some point, um, while Nebuchadnezzar and the army is literally knocking at the door of Israel. They're in there. They're they're laying siege to the city. God sends him uh, sends word to him that your that your relative is coming to buy a piece of property from you. They're like, what? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is coming to to knock everything off, you know down. Why would I even want to invest in some kind of land that's going to be overtaken by them? So he ends up doing it, and he is he gets the assurement uh, assurance that the Lord's going to give that to him, which he which he promised, right? And so he was just so taken from it that there's nothing impossible. Even though it looks like there's no way that God's going to fulfill it, he's able to do it. And when we think about this, this is um, some words that come to our minds is, is miracle, right? And if you spend any time uh, speaking to anybody who is an unbeliever, sometimes they bring this up, right? They'll bring up uh, ways to discredit the Bible, and they'll say, how can you believe, you know, all these animals got into some boat and then there was water and, it, and the whole world... You know, they, what they're doing is they're trying to stuff some story, right? Which, you know, none of us were there. We can only read about it. But they try to stuff the story into what their... into their lens of how they understand it, right? 
So that, that, that for one is wrong because I can't understand how that actually happened. I can read about it, right? So when, sometimes when I read these things, the Lord allowed it to happen, right? There's water coming up from, uh, from the ground and also coming down, so much so that it flooded the entire planet. Have we ever seen such a thing? Never. It was something of the Lord, right? So he made it possible. So when we think about miracle, we think about anything that is, is capable for God. It's something that I can't understand. Well, I can, I can see it, but I don't know how he made it happen, right? Think about creation itself. He literally just spoke it into existence. If I want to create something... Well, I need to, uh, if I want to go really small into the atomic, you know, level, if I want to make water, I got to take certain molecules, hydrogen, and oxygen, and put them together, and there, then you have water. But can you imagine not having anything at all? No, no laws that we know of how, what govern our lives, right? Gravity, you know, I just can't think about flying and jumping off the building. I'm going to start flying, right? Even though I want to. No, there's laws governing me. God's not bound by any of that. And so that, that, that for us is difficult to understand. How can this be? And sometimes we kind of look at these things and say, oh, how did he bring, you know, millions of locusts into the land of Egypt to eat everything? Oh, there must have been a really strong wind or, or something. It was a miracle, right? He brought it, however it says it happened, right? He brought that and it was a miracle of God. So there are three in here that we want to look at, especially in connection with the birth of the Lord Jesus or the Lord Jesus coming down, right? being born of, of, uh, in, in flesh. And so a couple of things that I do want to note about um, of Mary, since we are, are in this story, besides getting to our point. Um, she was a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Now this, I, I found this interesting too, because we think of betrothed, when we think of being betrothed, some words that will come to mind, engagement, right? Think of, well, that's just engagement. But it's not the same type of engagement that we think of, right? Nowadays, if you get engaged to somebody, sometimes you see them call it off. Not a big deal, right? I mean, it's a big deal for the ones that were together because, you know, they're sharing feelings. I'm not saying trying to discredit that. But it's not like that's like, oh, what, what happened there? There's a legal matter. No, it's just you go your separate ways. But the betrothal then it was a legal matter. They were legally married, right? So Joseph and Mary were legally married. It wasn't consummated, though. So that's why she says she's a virgin, but she was betrothed, so it's even a step further. So in the minds of those back then, they were actually already married the way we think of it. It wasn't just simply engagement. So when Joseph founds out, you know, later in another part where he finds out that she's with child, you know, he wants to put her away, right? Why would he even want to put her away? He's looking to divorce her, right, because she went out and uh, betrayed that trust, right? She broke that contract, but, you know, the Joseph met with the angel and understood what was going on. So the other thing you want to talk about, too, is Mary's, briefly, is Mary's, um, when she goes in and filled with the Holy Spirit and she goes down this list at the end of our, our section, which is uh, 46 to 56, <clears throat> a couple highlights to be shown is, is she's praising the Lord for, Looking down at man and when his greatest need, right? And really, that's, that's, that's pretty much the theme of any man, right, that understands that why is the Lord so concerned about me, little of me, right? The universe is so large, and you start even, I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to look in the telescope. I don't really, but sometimes, you know, you look out there, you're like, man, some of these objects of lights are so far away that 
that here we are on this little planet, and God's created all this, um, these lights and these heavenly bodies around us, and yet he's so concerned about what happens on this little planet, right? And it is, right? The Bible has that from the beginning, that man was the centerpiece, at least here on earth. And, like, why is he so concerned about what happens here? Why would he go to the point where it says, what is man that you're mindful of him? And why, and for the Son of Man, why do you care for him? Why would you even go to the point to mingle and to get involved with what's going down here? That's literally what he did, right? We're about to read it. He came in the, in flesh. I mean, he did that throughout the Old Testament. We read it. He came and met with certain people. He came and, um, and even in, in some kind of form that they thought it was a human, right? Abraham sees three people walking to him. Obviously, that was God. An appearance. There's also Gideon's parents, right? They, some guy came to him and said to, uh, or uh, Samson's parents, different people, right? They came and, and, and told them about some something that's going to happen later, and they were they didn't realize that they were talking face to face with it seems like the Son of God before he came in flesh. And so, why would God, you know, do all of that? I mean, it's really we know the answer, right? That's his heart, right? He wants to. Be involved. He cares about the Son of Man. He cares about His creation, not just to wipe it off, right? They messed up. Um, they've sinned. He wanted to correct it. But in doing so, would involve Him coming down and becoming man. Not, uh, not putting off that He's God, right? He didn't stop being God in all those uh, characteristics of God, but He came down. And so it says in a couple of verses, it says here that He... Um, he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mercy is for those who fear him generation to generation. And then in 48 it says this, For he looked on the humble state of his servant. Behold, from now on generations will call me blessed. And what she's saying is, he didn't pick, let's say for instance, who's the queen? Queen Elizabeth? He didn't pick Queen Elizabeth's family to be born in. He didn't pick that important person, that queen, to come down and say, listen, I'm going to do something great for you, and here, I'm going to be born into your family, right? God's going to be born here. No, he went to a person, right, who, for the most of the world, never even know she existed, right? Here she is, and the angel Gabriel has a special message for her, and even the birth, right, you think about it, if there's anywhere God can be born, if he's actually going to come in through with this plan, why not be born in the czar's castle or... Or, you know, wherever, somewhere that we think is very high lifted up. Why being born in such in a barn, you know? Why being born in, 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 with hay and animals and everything else? It's just, it's amazing when we think about the low and the humbleness that he came, right? But he is, he is that's what he wants, right? The humble servant. That's what he's searching. And he's able to use the weak things to do mighty uh, miracles with. Because he shows his strength through. And so that's what Mary's highlighting. And she's not highlighting herself, saying how blessed she is. But she's saying how blessed she's going to be from generation because she was such a lowly person that she allowed God to work through her. And so back to what we want to focus on is, for nothing will be impossible for God. We're going to look at three, uh, three miracles, if you would say, in this, in our selected text. There are Probably a lot more that we can focus in on. But I just want to look at three. One of them, we'll look at the first one. And we'll look at the statement here. It says this in 
you will call his name. Now, this is actually, I, I quoted this, uh, oh, yeah, from verse 31. It says, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So the first thing we want to look at is if we can try to even try to explain this, is that God became flesh. I mean, I don't know how to, to explain this any more than what the Scripture is, and that's really where we need to lead it. But just looking at here, just using references here, he will be called the Son of the Most High. The reign of his house, uh, He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will be no end. So now we're talking about somebody who's going to exist forever, who had no starting point and has no ending point. That for us is, it's hard to wrap our minds around because we think in timeline, right? I was born April 15th, uh, March 11th, 2011. I started at Memorial Healthcare. You know, we think that way. There's timeline. And beyond what is the end for us, what we think is death, there's, you know, we don't know what's beyond that. Could you imagine somebody who's not bound by that, who always existed, who doesn't know any kind of time, right? Again, back to what we're talking about, miracles. The laws that were put in place, right, the natural laws that were put because were, we were created, that God had put in order, were bound by those. But can you imagine someone who's outside of it? And so that person who didn't have a physical form, right, he was a spirit, became a physical person. So he was everywhere, right? He's everywhere. He knew everything. He didn't put that aside. But at one particular time, whether it was, you know, 1 BC or 0 AD, whatever you want to say it, until 33, whatever that timeline where his God the Son was here on earth, right? Now, again, I'm not saying he put aside, knew what was going on, but there he was. You could put your hands on him. You can shake his hand. At one point, his disciples even laid on him. There he was, the Son of God in flesh. I mean, I don't know what a greater miracle than that is, right? I mean, can you think about that? Um, it's a miracle when a person who is destined for hell, because of their sin, the wages of sin is death, God reaches down and takes that person out as a, brand, as a, uh, as a stick that's about to be burned, and saves that person. That's a miracle, right? He does that through the Lord Jesus. Because what the Lord Jesus accomplished on the cross? Dying for our sins. He applies that, what the Lord Jesus accomplished to that person. By faith they receive it. Say, yes, Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm a lost person. My sins, I deserve that. That's a miracle. But can you imagine, even more so, I mean, if you can rank the miracles in the Bible, I don't know where you rank this, but it had to be in the top three, right? But Jesus Christ... Or the Son of God became Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. It's amazing to think about that. And on top of it, what he did now carries on forever. Because later, when he's in, when there's different, um, even when he was uh, raised from the dead, right? They recognized him. So if they recognized him, that means that he still had the same form, right? So they said, oh, that's Jesus. Now, again, when we think about this too, going a little bit further back, this morning um, somebody pointed out Moses desiring to see God in his, all his true form. Now God told him, listen, if I did that, you wouldn't enjoy it for very long, right? Because you'd be, you'd be dead. So can you imagine a person who has that much power that I couldn't come into his very presence? I can't even look at him that he would come so close that I'd be able to see him, you know? 
I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, but that is the greatest, I think, one of the greatest miracles, right? That is something that is impossible for us to understand, but God made it possible. How do I explain it? That he was 100% man, right? He was born here, as we are, of course, without the interaction with a man. So he wasn't tainted, right? He wasn't, he was sinless. We're sinful. Man and woman come together, right? Because in Adam, all die. But in Jesus Christ, there was no, there was no Adam, right? So there was no man, excuse me. So more of the Holy Spirit, but yet 100% God. And now, for all eternity, those two things, those two are together. It's amazing to think about. But looking at him um, in his interjection in our affairs, the house of Jacob, we won't talk too much about that. Oh, actually, we will in the next one. But he's going to reign over Jacob and really the entire planet forever, right? And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. Meaning that everything, we, we think about the United States, right? There's the landmass of the United States, continental and then there's Hawaii and Alaska and then some of the territories, right? That's where it ends for them. But the Lord Jesus Christ, right, there is no end to his kingdom. So it, it stretches beyond that. So let's continue. Looking at the next one is... Okay. Um... <clears throat> This one is, uh, I didn't quote this exactly because it didn't fit uh, nicely in my little, I wanted to keep the uh, the top for nothing was impossible. See, it's just changing right there. So I kind of condensed it, but it's possession of the throne of David. So the Lord, is in 32, said the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And say, well, why is this even a miracle? Now, this, I found this, uh, amongst other things in the scripture, very fascinating is, is that the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, why is it even important? Because just briefly looking at this, you say, what does this mean? So I tried to visualize it a little bit. Is Oh, there's no, there's no laser on this. So at first I tried to make Adam big, and I was going to make him into like a pyramid, but the, the texting editing didn't work too well. So what I did is I just actually drew a pyramid. And so what I want to focus in on is that when we, when we think about back at the beginning of our history, right, there was sin. And we uh, rebelled against the, uh, our God, our Creator. But at that moment, right, there was, there was punishment and there was judgment. But at that moment, the Lord says, I'm going to correct it, but it's going to come from the seed of a woman. So it's going to be uh, somebody who's going to be born is going to bruise the head or crush the head of the serpent, right? Picturing Satan is going to undo this, right? What's going to happen? Which they didn't, they didn't fully grasp at that moment. But could you imagine if Adam would have seen 6,000 years or whatever it was into the future, all the wreckage because of his choice? I mean, you want to talk about depression. I mean, he, it says this in the word that, uh, in, in the Bible, it says, in Adam all died. Because of one man's sin, death has passed down. Now I'm not, I don't want to make this an atom bashing thing because if Brian Skelton was there, he would have made the same choice. But the point is, is that in Adam, everything that we see today is a result of sin. But the Lord, the God told, uh, God told Eve and Adam that, listen, it's going to be corrected, but it's going to be somebody born, uh, born of the woman, right? And so that's Genesis 3. So that's the foundation. Okay, that's good. That's great, right? Hallelujah. There's going to be a Savior coming. But then as time progressed, God starts get, making it more narrow. 
more narrow. Where is the Messiah going to come from? Well, then he starts dealing with a man called Abraham. And in, Ab- uh, in Genesis 12, which his name wasn't Abraham then, it was Abram, he says that it, uh, uh, besides the different promises he gives them in the land of, his, uh, in the land of Canaan, he's going to give them, but he's going to say, in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Right. So now he's kind of narrowed it down. So he started with everybody on the planet. Somebody's going to be born, but now he's starting to narrow it down. Abraham. So now we're talking about Abraham. It's going to, the Messiah is going to come through Abraham. But Abraham now has children, right? He has multiple children. But in two in particular in the beginning was Ishmael and then Isaac later. So not only is it going to come from Abraham, but God tells him, listen, in, in 15, because Abraham says, listen, I know you promised me that, but here, here's my servant. I really like him a lot. He's the only young guy in my house. Can he be the one that can be the, the promise be passed down to? God says, no, it's going to be a son of yours. It says, Abraham, okay, that's good. Everything, nothing's going to be impossible with God. Abraham knew that at this point. But in 17, right, he decides to say, fine, if it's a son of mine, right, him and his wife have this plan since she was barren, decide to have a, have a child through her servant. But God says, no, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be through you and Sarah. So now he's starting to get more direct, right? It's not going to come through Ishmael now, even though he is a son of Abraham. It's going to come through Sarah and Abraham, their only son, Isaac, right? So now we're talking about Isaac. So now that tree gets a little bit smaller. It's still very large, but smaller, right? So then from Isaac, you get the picture. And then from Jacob, Jacob, uh, excuse me, Isaac and Jacob, Exact same thing, right? God repeats the thing that he told Abraham, that you, all the families are going to be blessed. So it goes down from Isaac, and then Isaac has two sons. Esau goes one direction. God deals with Jacob. And then after uh, Jacob, right? So Jacob now has 12 sons and daughters. He has some daughters too as well. Well, who's God going to deal with now? Well, at the end of Jacob's life, which his name is called Israel, which, by the way, we were singing a song now. This is why English language is difficult, actually. Somebody sent an email this week, um, why the English language is so hard. So is it Israel or Israel? I'm not sure. How do you pronounce it at that point? Anyway, that's why the English language is kind of... Every language has their own quirks, but Israel, um, at that point, his name is Israel because he met with God. But he, at the end of his life, is giving out... Uh, he's really... He's, he's looking into the future what's going to happen, right? Because he doesn't... You know, they're going to go into Egypt not too long after, a few generations from now. But he's talking about further, right? He's passing out the blessings. But in particular, he talks to Judah. And what he tells Judah, he tells him, listen, the scepter or the symbol of ruling is not going to leave you until it goes to the person to whom it belongs to. Meaning that Judah's going to hold on to it. Somebody in Judah's tribe is going to rule over Israel until that time comes where he passes it off to the one it belongs to. Who's that? The Messiah, right? Okay, so Judah, right? Judah has some sons. They're, the tribe is, is very large. Well, now it gets a little bit smaller. And now we come to the next major one, which is David, right? So David now. David wants to build the Lord a house. The Lord says, thanks for the offer. Um, I'll let you do that, but I don't need a house. But you know what? I'm going to build you a house. And so now David becomes the subject where God says, listen, the Messiah, or the per- or he doesn't say that, but he says that 
the throne of David is never going to cease, meaning that somebody is going to sit on it and rule forever. Who can that be? Somebody who lives forever, right? So that has to be the Messiah. And so now the Messiah is going to come through this Davidic line, and and he's going to have the legal claim and the ability to to rule forever and to rule in the line of David. Now, why is that a miracle? Well, let's go one more. There is um, there are two genealogies written, and uh, we won't spend too much time on this. But one's in Matthew, and one's in Luke three. You might have to click the pr- presentation just to to, to, uh, to select it, and then you can advance it. But one's in Matthew, and one's in Luke. And so Luke, um, some of the differences once it comes up, you'll notice is one is the amount of names. Matthew only deals with about I don't know twenty, let's see, forty-two maybe names. There you go. Um, you see. This is the one in Matthew. That's the one in Luke. One of the biggest difference you notice is the amount of names. So Luke's a little more thorough. Now, say, why is this even a miracle? Well, the one in Matthew falls down through this kingly line, right? We recognize some of these names, right? They were David, Solomon. These are the guys that reigned. Um, Zerubbabel was the governor there after the, um, after the exile. But it always goes down to Jesus, right? And then... Luke also goes down that way, but he goes down through a different path. Now, whether the uh, Luke is actually following Mary's or whether Luke's fo- following Joseph's biological tree, and this is Joseph's like legal right to the throne, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think there's arguments for both. But the fact of the matter is, is that at one point, this guy right here, he was. Um, there were some of them that were pretty bad, Ahaziah, but. Uh, Jehoiakim, or Jeconiah, sometimes he's called, or Conaniah. He was at towards the end. He wasn't the very last king. But the Lord pronounced a punishment on him. And his punishment was that no king of his, or no son of his, would sit on the throne and prosper. Meaning that he didn't take the kingly right from him, but he said that no son of his would prosper on the throne. So that immediately was true. Now, whether that was the punishment was just for his son or his entire line, which it seems to be that, that look, well, Jesus is in that line. How in the world is God going to get around that? Well, that's where this genealogy comes in, is that Jesus actually wasn't from that line, right? So while he is still a son of David, he wasn't under that curse, right, that God gave to Jeconiah, Coniah, or Jehoiakim, whatever name you want to say. So... How did God preserve that, right? Those two different things. He still preserved the Lord Jesus, that he has the legal right to the throne, and he is still a son of David. It's really a miracle. Not just that. Take a broader uh, step back. Doesn't, um, can look at any kind of online forum or any kind of uh, news feed. If you look at the comments when there's any kind of news or history, uh, not, not history, but any kind of, of, um, Something that's coming out of the Middle East, especially around Israel, man, the amount of hatred that people have against that nation, which they, you know, the most people that are talking, they might be, you know, paid to do some kind of propaganda pushing. That, that, might, that might be going on. But the amount of hatred that is out there for Israel is unbelievable. And really, you look at their history, right? There was the Babylonians, 
and then there was the uh, Persians, and then there was, you know, all the way down Rome, and the, the Nazis, right? They tried to exterminate them, but yet God preserved them, is preserving them <laughs> throughout history. And so really it's a miracle, right, that Israel still exists, but it's, it's a miracle that the Lord Jesus still, that line of David was preserved out throughout history, sometimes by their own sin, right, trying to disqualify him, but God still preserved them. And so that he is still um, in possession, he has possession, the legal right to the possession of the throne of David is something that was a miracle that God still preserved. And then finally, last one, we'll wrap up with this. And really, this is where the connection of the statement uh, comes from. And let's see here. I lost my place. And in 36, it says this, And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age um, has conceived a son. And in the sixth month, and, and this is in the sixth month of who, who is called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And so... <clears throat> Mary was given a great promise or a great um, that's something that the Lord was going to do for her. And this happens throughout Scripture all the time because I think the Lord understands who we are. Okay, yeah, you want to give me a million bucks? Oh, that's nice, you know. Okay. Annette, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Like, Annette says, okay, yeah, you're a nice guy, but I don't really believe that. Well, Annette, here, but I tell you this. I'm going to go outside and you're going to watch me fly away back to my house. Without any plane. Well, then Annette's saying, whoa, if he's able to do that, maybe he's able to give me a million dollars. And so that happens a lot in Scripture. God does something for them and gives them a sign to say, listen, if, if he's able to do that, well, then that's something I can trust, right? And even uh, Elizabeth comments on that, that she, even though it doesn't expressly say that, Mary believed what God told her. And so he believed it. But he says, listen, even your is advanced in years, who Zechariah was mute at this time, right, because he didn't believe himself, but he was an old guy, and they were past childbearing, and their history showed that they couldn't have children, right? They tried before, but they didn't have any. But God was saving it to this moment, right, so that the glory of God can be used, right? Sometimes you think, man, what is wrong with them? Well, God was allowing it to happen that way. And so they had to go through till that moment where they were older, where they would have John the Baptist, but God was using them as a pitcher. And not only for them, right, to increase their, their faith and to bring John, but he used that example for Mary, right? He said, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to conceive without any kind of interaction with man. You're going to have a child. What? Well, look at Elizabeth. She's pregnant. She's conceived. That's impossible. Well, God, anything with God is, is possible, right? So Mary believed that because of that miracle that she saw that happened Six months before, right, she knew that uh, Elizabeth was has conceived, and that being John later is born. But this became the sign for Mary, right, to see that if God's able to do that, he's able to, uh, to complete what he has promised me. And so <clears throat> sometimes um, when you talk to, to unbelievers, one of the things is they tell you, show me some proof, show me some proof. You know, I hear this a lot from my coworker. Has anybody come back from the dead? Has nobody told me what it's like? Nobody said anything. How do I know that's all real? Well, the proofs that we can give them, right, is that we can look at, well, one of the many proofs, is that you can look at the Christian's life, right? 
especially those who perhaps had another lifestyle before and that God had gotten a hold of, changed them from the inside, right? Not just some taking them to some kind of like uh, a therapy or some kind of group session and trying to change some uh, some branch problems, right? But he went to the root of the problem, right? Man's heart. Man's heart. I'm sinful. And he changed it from the inside and then from out, right? Life has been given to that person and they're a living being, right? From the inside. And there's changes, right? The Christian should show some fruit. And so that's a miracle in itself. And I always, I always say, well, look at this. And then they always say, well, look at this Christian, that Christian. I said, well, I don't know if they're really believers, but that's, you know, you are and, and I am, right? If we are true believers, right? We are uh, proof of God's miracles, of able to take a person who's been lost on the way to hell, who's done everything in their life, right, to push them towards hell, right? Because that's the only way we, that's the only thing we knew. We were slaves to sin. And that was pushing us closer to death than we actually like to admit. But God was able to save a person, to save me, save you through what the Lord Jesus accomplished on the cross. By his shed blood, he has forgiven us um, and has paid the debt that we could not pay. And so um, may we take that. And as especially when we're going out there in our workplaces, in any sphere where you guys are placed, right, is that nothing is impossible for God to do. And so really, I mean, that should make us speak up about it, right? I mean, we serve a God. There's nothing that he can't do. And, you know... I keep going on and on. Sometimes we don't even realize that when we're praying for something that we perhaps something on the on um, that we're praying for, you know, man, somebody in the family has cancer, something that seems insurmountable. We want to pray about it, but when it's something small, we don't even pray to the Lord. Why? It's because well, we can we can go ahead and get that in our own strength. Everything should be brought to Him, right? Everything to be brought to Him, and He's able to accomplish both small and great, and uh, he has asked us to, right, to to bring those things in prayer. So nothing will be impossible for God. Let us use the uh, story of Mary. And as we consider the birth of Lord Jesus, uh, Lord willing, next week, but remember the impossible is not uh, is is possible with our God who we serve. And so, our Father, we just thank you for uh, this day. We just thank you for that we serve um, a God who's able to do anything, Lord. And so... We think of the gods of, that we can create in comic books and, and, and dream up in our own minds, and they're just like us, Lord, and they're, they're subject to, to, um, to, uh, to sin, Lord, and to, to all these emotions and, and anger. But, Lord, you are not like that, and you are beyond anything that we can think of, but we're just so thankful that you cared for us so much. And, Lord, I just pray for anybody here who doesn't know you, your son as Savior, Lord, who hasn't come into a relationship with you. I just pray, Lord, that they would um, bend the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, and they would claim him as their Savior, Lord, that today will be the day that they can have their sins forgiven and they can know that they are going to heaven. So we just pray that you bring us all home safely, and we just thank you for the season. We just pray that we'd be more bold to share our faith. In Lord Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.